beautiful of a Sunday to have both of our city hubs together today here in one place in Pompano. Thanks for all those that came from West Palm. Can we give them a hand today as they came all the way down here to hang out with us? And to all of our first-time guests, can we give them a hand as well? Thank you so much for being here. Honor to have you. My name is Darren Davis, senior pastor here at the Harbor, and we've had uh, quite a week as a region, and we just want to take some time this morning and allow us as one to process and to grieve and to begin to heal. Um, in this, I believe it's a divine moment for us as a region, for as a church, as individuals, um, to come out of this in a powerful way by the grace of God to see Amazing, amazing things happen in this region. I wasn't going to share this, but I feel just to inspire you in, in this way that God is, He's up to something. He's always posturing to turn what is meant for evil into good. You know, this is a very complex reality, this whole concept of love, right? Because we're in this series on perfect love. We're going to actually talk today about the legacy of love. It's a very complex thought because love is not truly love unless you get to choose it. So the element of human choice in the human equation is, is very risky. It's very messy. It's, it's at times very tragic like we've experienced this last week. And it affected our teenagers of this region. Those that we're at Douglas High School, and, and, and those in all of the high schools in this region, it's, it's affecting teenagers all around this nation. But I believe for the teenage generation that's on the earth right now, God has something exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or even imagine as it relates to their lives. Teenagers in the room, I'm inspired by you. I'm, I'm I'm being fueled by your passion right now in this moment. I was talking to Luke, our son, the other day, and I said, Lukey, what, what's happening among your friends? And he said, well, there's fear. But in the midst of that, faith is coming and hope is coming, and we're being led into a space called love. And this is our journey. The day before the incident, I had... A friend that I haven't talked to in 10 years, he left me a message on my phone, so there's proof of this. But he said, Darren, I've been praying for you in the harbor all week. Again, we haven't talked in 10 years. He said, you need to know and the region needs to know that there's a mighty move of God that's going to come to teenagers in South Florida. That's what he said. And he said, teenagers are going to awaken to God and they're going to come into this place with him, not because of what their parents are telling him to do. In fact, many of these teenagers don't even go to church. He said, I see small groups breaking out all over this region as teenagers come together in community and in relationship. And, and this, is, this is what God is going to do. This is what he's already began. All of us find ourselves in uh, different spaces this morning. Julie prayed and said that, you know, for some of us it's a place of strength. We feel strong. And for some of us it's a place of fragility. I actually think life is an ebb and flow between both of these realities. Strength at one moment, fragility the next. And this is our journey. In fact, in the love chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul expresses this reality when he says in verse 9, he says, Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. 
And even, this is interesting, because he's previously in the verses prior talking about all the gifts of the Spirit, the, the workings of heaven in our midst. And he said, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. So think about this. If we bring all of our knowledge to the table, and even all of the workings of the Spirit to the table, it's still only partial and incomplete in this journey called life. Wednesday, February 18th, for me, will never will be a day I'll never forget. At 8.05, my wife is driving to work, and she texts me. She says, so much swirl today. And I write her back, Grace, lots of beautiful things happening. Well, wouldn't it be the case that both were true? Both were true. At 8.05, 8 being new beginnings and 5 being the number of the grace of heaven. I called my wife and she's like, something's happening. Something's going on. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't even know if I can go to work today. She had just been in a constant state of prayer as she was driving to work. But you know, knowledge and heavenly gifting would both be found wanting on that day, for within a matter of hours, we would learn of what had transpired on the campus of Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, where 17 lives filled with such promise would be lost. And it's appropriate this morning that we take a minute, and I'm going to encourage you, like Julie said, that we need to open up those hinges and open up those gates of our heart to let heaven come. We also need to let us feel today. It's important. We've become so disconnected, haven't we, with stories like this in other cities on the news. And it just doesn't even seem real. Maybe even this here doesn't seem real. But we need to take it into our hearts and we need to feel. It's very important for us to process and to grieve and in order to begin to heal. But we'd be remiss if we didn't take a minute and remember those that lost their lives in this terrible tragedy.
Lord, allow us by your grace in this journey of faith and hope and love to feel and to process, Lord, the pain that these families today, many of them that are beginning to bury their children and bury their loved ones, are feeling because this is our community, this is our region, this is our home. We honor these lives, Lord. They were people. They were your kids, your sons and daughters, filled with such promise, such beauty. Grace us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. You know, Wendy and I have chosen just to immerse ourselves in the midst of this reality because I don't want to be detached. And at the end of the day, this is a trauma to our community. And I've been thinking about those that have had to be in the midst of this trauma, the first responders, the doctors and the medical staff, the local, state, and federal law enforcement officials, the school administrators, teachers and workers, government leaders, the students across this region, and the families and friends and loved ones directly affected by this senseless tragedy, and really all of us in this room today, all of us through varying degrees of separation, if you will, probably very small degrees of separation, we've been pulled into this story. In fact, we found out that Jamie and Sabrina Page, who were members of this community and who we're still connected to, lost their 17-year-old cousin, Helena Ramsey, who would have been attending college next year. They were a part of this family, and we've been in touch with them, and we're offering support to them in whatever way that we can serve their family. Our own own son, Luke, met a friend and now is a fellow co-worker with um, Jesse at his job at Publix, who attended Douglas High School. And on the day of this tragedy, Luke comes home and Jesse had just called him and he said, I know you're a Christian, and I need you and your family to pray for me and my family. We can't get in touch with my little 14-year-old sister. Jamie. And about an hour and a half later, in our home, Luke receives a text that she had lost her life. In fact, after this service, Wendy and I and Luke... We'll be going to her funeral today at 2 o'clock. Her father, Fred Gutenberg, is quoted as saying, Me and my wife are completely broken and trying to figure out how we're going to get through this. I received news from a close friend of mine, Ricardo Robotella, whose son Daniel was in the building that day and by God's grace was spared as bullets were coming through his classroom window. I know the Cardosa family had their kids there as well at this school. And by God's grace, them and the Blancos and some others, their kids were kept safe. But there's a lot to process here, isn't there? There's a lot to process. And this is, I'm going to give, let you in on my own processing. Like, first and foremost, with the, 
with the causation behind the brokenness of this young man who committed this crime. At the end, I'm going to share how at our vigil, the, the, the main school administrator was saying, who was a believer, we need to get out in our communities and disciple these kids. It's the responsibility of the church to get into the lives of the broken and the hurting. You know, I was thinking, God, what could we have done in a moment like this to stop something, prevented something like this? I, I think about the clear warning signs that were out there on social media and known by fellow students. And how could this have maybe been kept from happening like in the case of the shooter in Seattle just days following who had in his heart to, to break the record, so to speak, of, of casualties in a school shooting. Thank God there was a sparing there. Think about the laws that could have been in place to maybe prohibit this teenager from purchasing an assault rifle. Think about the level of security in school that day that somehow he slipped past and was able to have access. And then I think about the bigger question. Why are kids... Why this region? Why now? And many of those questions for sure cannot be answered. But as we process together, we must allow ourselves the, 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 the opportunity to grieve and, and so that we can actually, at the end of the day, begin to heal. And I need to just say this to you as your pastor and as your friend. This is essential because every single one of us in this room, every single person has the calling and the destiny over their life to manifest greatness. To manifest greatness through the act of servanthood. Through the act of engaging the brokenness of our culture. The brokenness of our systems. The brokenness of, of laws. The brokenness of whatever is out there. We're called to engage it. And thus it's essential that our hearts be kept pure and childlike. And free from all bitterness and offense. I implore you with my heart. Don't go into those spaces. Don't engage those realities. That road will never get you anywhere. Instead, engage God with your, with your, 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 your need to, to understand. To, 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 to grasp as much as we can. But at the end of the day... You know, let's let the grieving process have its full work. Let's let's go the distance down this road with Jesus so that faith and hope and love can begin to be established. You know, each of us have been given a specific assignment. Maybe there's a passion that's rising in you right now. I would submit that passion is probably tied to your assignment. Begin to exercise that part of your passion so that as a collective whole, the kingdom of God can be advanced in the earth. I love this quote by my friend Bill Vanderbush this week on Twitter. He says, eventually, someone has to cross the chasm between problem and solution. That person will change the world. You know what I was amazed at that, even in the midst of the greatest manifestation of evil, which is taking of a life, lasting over just over three minutes, that love prevailed in the midst of that space. We know Coach 
Aaron Feist, only 37 years old, a husband and a father to his young daughter, Ariel, used his own body to shield students from oncoming bullets. I heard eight gunshots, wounds to himself. A Douglas student said this, he said he was, listen to this, he said he was always looking out for those who were struggling, especially those without a father at home. He always put everybody before himself. That's love. Scott Beigel, 35 years old. Selfishly opened the door to his classroom to provide students with shelter as the gunman was making his way. And while he was locking the door to secure that they would be safe, was shot and killed. We honor you, Scott, today. 15-year-old Peter Wang, who was last seen by his fellow students holding open a door, for his fellow classmates to be able to escape, lost his life at the hand of the gunman. That's love. We honor you, Peter. You see, I've heard, and we don't know what they're going to do. My wife and Shannon told me that they may tear down that building and build a memorial there to these lives. And, and that memorial, for me, because I'm going to remember these stories, is going to serve as a legacy memorial, a legacy memorial of love. For John says that there's no greater love than this, to lay down one's lives for his friends. It's what we're all called to do. We may not lose our lives in the natural, but what we are called to do is lay to lay down our lives for this community, for this region, for the people outside of these walls. But, you know, I was processing with the Lord. I was like, within the beauty of all these stories, which brings comfort to my, my soul and to my heart, I'm still unable to see the full redemptive picture from this vantage point. And he spoke to me and he said, Darren, faith. I'm going to give you my faith. Which, at the end of the day, is... His persuasive voice over our hearts. Where even in a moment like this, that we could sit under the persuasion of God and be convinced. Which is the manifestation of faith. And say, God, you are good. You are still seated on the throne. You are in control. You're going to turn all of this ultimately for something beautiful. You're going to out of the ashes... Something beyond anything we could imagine is going to rise. This, this is your kingdom. This is how you work. Even in the midst of the complexity of love being played out on the earth, which involves choice. Paul echoed this in the chapter of love in verse 12 where he says, Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. And he goes on to say, all that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. So there's a hope. There's a surety. There's a promise of something fixed and immovable that we will step into. 
He ends this portion of Scripture with verse 13, which I love. Because this is where we're moving together as a community. He said, these things, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So notice the progression. Faith, His divine persuasion over our hearts, which moves us into this place of hope, this place of surety, we become immovable. Which establishes and makes way for love to come into our hearts. Because our journey is destined to find, comprehend, and embody love. Why? Here it is. Because love never gives up. Come on, you got to let this sink in this morning. Love never loses faith. Is always hopeful. And this is key. And endures through every circumstance. The word there endures has to do with this whole strength and fragility reality because endures means to suffer. I was sitting next to a young warrior at this prayer vigil, a young pastor, and he goes, wow, I notice every time in the Word of God, the kingdom breaking out is always tied to it measures and times suffering. Where we stay under, we endure in beauty, strength, and fragility. But love, hear me, friends, is stronger than death. It's a violent flame, stronger than the grave. And for us, for whatever reason, as God would see it, and now all the eyes of the world are on us in South Florida, we need to realize there's profound destiny over this region. We need to realize there's profound destiny over this church and all the other churches. And there's profound destiny over you. Because you wouldn't be here for such a time as this if there wasn't. As fate would have it, we had an opportunity to connect with this man this week by chance before all this happened. His name's Jim McNeese. He's a world-renowned psychologist that brings coaching to corporate executives all over the world and government officials. And he sat with us in our staff meeting on Tuesday. And he said, you know, guys, everything in the world is connected. And he went on to describe how there was a scientist that took an atom and broke it apart, and they separated the two particles of the atom. And I'm butchering this. Please forgive my, my lack of scientific prowess here. But he said they separated them and put one part of the atom in one nation and one part of the atom in the other nation. And when they injected one of the atoms with a, with a fuse or some sort of ener energy and it responded a certain way, the other part of the atom on the other side of the world responded in the exact same way. There's connectivity in this thing called life, even on a cellular level, that comes up to us as a spiritual family and to those in this community that may not even know about Jesus. Years ago, I'm wrapping this up, we, when we first started the harbor, we got a word that we would experience oak growth. And for all of those of you that have seen an oak tree, they're some of the most fascinating, beautiful trees. And over time, lots of time, they become very large 
and they give shield and shade to much. And he said, this is going to be your journey as a church. You're going to be a community that goes deep with God and deep with each other. A legacy of love. In a minute, I'm going to play this poem that Jason Upton, who was just with us, wrote. But in part of it, he says, just like a tree that slowly grows, the higher we reach, the deeper we go. There's a big reach here, church. There's a big calling. It's significant. It's beyond anything we could ever know. The attention of the world to a tragedy is going to be turned and the story is going to be rewritten and they're going to have the attention of the world on something so glorious. It's here. Would you listen? And as you do, maybe even close your eyes and let these words sink in as we think about legacy of love. Let's pray. Father, would you come and would you touch our hearts? The heart that one moment is a redwood and the heart that the next moment is a daisy. And would you inspire us today and give us hope for tomorrow? Would you come and would you consume our hearts with the love of God that is stronger than death? 
that is stronger than the grave. And would you pour into us a passion to move into that space, to do something, to respond to your unction with that which you have called us to respond to. Lord, we don't want to live life and just take while we're here. We want to give. We want to give away, Lord, all the things that you put on the inside of us. Bring healing here today, Lord. Let there be the balm of Gilead poured out over our broken hearts. And God, give us grace from heaven to heal, to process, to grieve, to vent, to talk with you and other friends, Lord, along this road that we're traveling. But we're heading somewhere, God. Come and take us down the road. As we close today, I want to share something that that took place this week. Um, The day of the shooting, I got a phone call um, from Eddie Copeland, who's helping us administratively with this what I call organically organized movement among churches in our region, in this county particularly, which I have the honor of sitting on the leadership team of, 12 of us. And he said, we got to do something. we gotta, we got to come together. And within 24 hours, I want to show this picture, we gathered several thousand people on the lawn outside of a church. We prayed and we stood in solidarity. Not as individual churches. In fact, no one even shared their name. No pastor shared their name. There was no name of any church shared. And the most awe-inspiring thing that hit me, I was like, God, five years ago, we never could have done that. Three years ago, we never could have done it. Even though we were starting to connect, two years ago, We never could have pulled this off. But I felt the pleasure of heaven that day. As we were rewriting history in this region. History, his story. Churches that have been so separated, never had connected, so much territorialism, and we gathered as one in a moment when the community needed us to be one. Because at the end of the day, pastors are just trying to get through these moments like everybody else. And we're struggling. We're trying to figure it all out. But I was thinking of the Gladiator movie, and we'll close with this, when they're in the stadium in Rome and there's the Battle of Carthage. And historically, that was just a, it was a bloodbath. It was, you know, The enemy was completely wiped out. But here these seasoned warriors have been been brought together. And they were all talented and gifted in and of themselves. But they were at a serious disadvantage with their weaponry. And with their position and where they were placed inside of the stadium. And 
And he looked at them, Russell Crowe, the actor, and he says, we must come together. Please hear me. With all that's going on and has been for a long time out there in the Christendom and beyond, with disunity and fragmentation, I need you to hear me from the Lord. We must come together. We must. So in the movie, he says, as I say, as one, we need to circle together and shield one another with our shields so that no one had their back exposed. And he would yell out time and time again during the battle, as one, as one. And they would link arms. Well, they rewrote history that day because they end up defeating the Roman army. And even the guy in the movie, he says, as he looks at the emperor, wasn't, or the emperor looks at the guy that put on the games, he says, wasn't there another outcome in this battle? But you see, his story had now come to play on the earth because they moved as one. This is how we're going to respond. This is what we're going to do. It's already happening among the churches. It's already happening with Wendy and I in our home. It's already happening among our team. Come with us. Come with us. There's strength in numbers. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Lord, as we conclude this time, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you pour out your love on us? Would you come and would you inspire us with faith? Would you persuade our hearts to say yes? Would you give us hope? Would you give us a fixed surety even when we can't understand everything? Even with all of our knowledge and all of our gifting from heaven, would you give us a hope even when the full picture is not revealed? Would you come? And would you set us ablaze with love from another realm? Could we burn? Could we be on fire? Like the Son of God who literally laid his life down for friends that called him an enemy. Wow. For the higher we reach, the deeper we go. Because together as one, we're heading a little further down the road. And we're building something that will be here when we're old. For our children and for our children's children in this region for the glory of your name. Amen. We love you. We're going to have some friends up here at the front and I was in the anchor today and one of our Sisters, beautiful, just say, can I come give you a hug? And I said, for sure. Sometimes that's all it takes, right? We don't need to pray long prayers. We just need to give a hug and say it's going to be all right. So we're going to have some friends up here giving hugs as needed and 
praying, would you keep the Gutenberg family in your prayers as we go and stand with them as they bury their daughter today, two o'clock. They need help. They need the Lord. And as with all the other families, we love you guys. God bless you. For those that need prayer, please come up and see us. We're here to stand with you in Jesus' name. Amen.